How many of you brought your Bibles tonight? Would you lift them high up in the air? Shake those Bibles around. Shake out the old notes and let's get some new notes in there. Come on, put down that coffee cup upstairs. Put down that coffee cup. Lift up those Bibles. That way, if you don't have one, if you don't have one, you get a Jesus is the Answer Bible. They're awesome. Turn with me to the book of Joel. Are you tired of the book of Joel yet? Good. I only need one person saying no as our ushers say, take our, our second offering up. We're stuck in Joel chapter 2, but hopefully next week we can go into Joel chapter 3, but I don't want to promise anything. We'll see what the Lord does. Over the last three weeks, we're talking about the blessings the Lord has for us. Does anybody like the blessings of the Lord? I love the blessings of the Lord. Anybody want to be blessed and blessed abundantly? I sure do. And here in Joel chapter 2, we're going to talk about some more blessings that come from the Lord. And one of the blessings was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to approximately 30. He says that he is going to pour out his spirit in the last days. And all of a sudden, men and women are going to be touched. Let's look at verse 28. It will come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Wouldn't it be awesome for all of your children to begin to prophesy and be used in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? How many of you know Jesus isn't just for adults? It's for anybody who was born again through the blood of Jesus. Your old men shall dream dreams. That's everybody that is uh, over 70. Your young men shall see visions. That's everybody under 70. And also on my men and also my ladies. Oh, I'm so glad that the Lord uses females. Can you say amen? Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Women can preach. Women can teach. Women can share. Men can preach the word. Jesus is just looking for people who love him, and I'm going to pour out my spirit in those days. That was one of the blessings, and the Lord told me, he said, Bill, I just want you to preach for two or three weeks on the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. We did that the last three weeks. If you'd like to receive tonight, you can, and we had 60 people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues each and every for the whole three weeks. Can we give the Lord praise for that? Isn't that awesome? Oh, you don't seem too excited about that, but I, 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 I'm excited about that. Isn't that great? And if you would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit tonight, you can do so. Chapter 2 and verse 12. What's the first word in verse 12? Now. Today is the day to turn to the Lord. Today is. This means that the Lord is going to do something today. My Bible says today is the day of salvation. You say, well, Pastor, wonder if the Lord doesn't do it today. Well, that's okay. I'm still believing that God is going to do something today. When I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to believe that God is going to do something tomorrow, which would be today. So when I wake up tomorrow, it is today. Am I mixing you up? So today, the Lord is going to do something. You say, well, wonder if he doesn't do it on that day. That's okay. I'm going to go to bed and wake up the next day and believe that God is going to do something today. You see, some people, they get bummed out. I shared on it Sunday. If you weren't here, get the tape. And I, I shared on it Sunday about how sometimes we have to wait on the Lord. But even when we have to wait on the Lord, how many of you know we can still have faith to believe that God's still going to do something on that day? Even if I have to wait a year for something, every day I get up and I say, today could be the day for my healing. Today could be the day my situation is turned around. Today could be the day when the Holy Spirit falls. Come on. Today could be the day when God's going to move. Today could be the day when God's going to turn the United States around. Come on. Today is the day I could get that job. Today is the day that my marriage could be touched and on fire for the Lord and a little bit of romance that we have. So he says here, now, everybody say now. Now says the Lord, turn to me, turn to me and turn to me with all of your heart. This is a word of repentance, Joel says. He says, I want the church, I want Israel specifically, but it refers to us today. Turn to the Lord. This is repentance. It is heart repentance. It includes action and it includes change. How many of you understand that when a person repents and said they have repented, how many of you know there's going to be some fruit from it and there's going to be some action that takes place behind it? A lot of people go around saying they're sorry. Listen, enough of saying they're sorry. We need to repent. We need to turn away from our sins. We need to run to the Lord. We need to take some action. We need to get 
get into some classes. We need to get into counseling. We need to read the Word of God. We need to pray that God can set us free and do a work in our hearts and do a work in our lives. I've been praying for our nation that we would turn to the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. Is everybody in agreement? Turn to somebody next to you, look them in the eyes and say, it's time to turn to the Lord. It's time to turn to the Lord. It's time to turn to the Lord. And we're to turn to the Lord with all of our what? Where is the heart located? Inside of us. Isn't it amazing today that we're having arguments in Christianity, who is saved and who isn't saved? I went to the bookstore and there's all these books. One author writes, call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. The next author writes, that's not enough. You just can't call on the Lord. This has to be done. And even if you confess Jesus as your Savior, it's fake salvation. Then I go to this one. It's a sad situation where everybody's arguing or who isn't saved and who isn't saved. All I know is my Bible says this. If you call on the name of the Lord, you are saved. My Bible says, for grace we are saved by faith. It is a gift of God, lest works any man should boast. My Bible says in Romans 10, if you you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. You are born again and you are saved. You don't need a book about it. We don't need to argue about it. Let's get out there and get people saved. Let's find out if anybody's saved. Is anybody saved out there? Can I say, I mean, you're really born again and saved. Well, if you would read this book at the bookstore, none of us are saved. I was even talking to a man that reads that book, and I went to him and gave him my testimony. He says, well, the way you got saved, you're not really saved. I said, you know what? In the Greek, that's baloney. How many of you know in the Hebrew, that's baloney? How many of you know in Italian, that's baloney? How many of you know in Asian, I don't know if that's a language, that is baloney. How many of you understand, I know I'm saved. I know when it happened. At 19 years old, I came to know the Lord. I didn't say a certain prayer. I didn't know anything. I just said, Jesus, I need you, and I'm a sinner. You say, how do you know you were saved? Because God did an inside job on me. It's on the inside. It's a heart repentance. You can't always see the outlook of it on the outside. How many of you are glad you're saved? How many of you are glad you're born again? How many of you are glad you know Jesus? How many of you are glad you're not going to buy that book? Burn that book and demons will come out of it. I'm saved. Anybody saved? Sometimes it takes a while to get to the outside. Sometimes it takes a while to get to the outside. I was down at Purdue University. I was saved on the inside. Guess what all the church people were saying? You can't be saved. You can't be saved. You say, why would they say that? Because I had long hair past my shoulders, had mutton chops, beautiful-looking mustache. They called me Malio when I was down at Purdue. My daughter says I look like Malio. Is that true? I'll give you a side view. Is that true? Do I look like Mario? I had holy jeans. You know, they were ripped out all over the place. Wore the same shirt for weeks, so it didn't smell too good, a Purdue shirt. Had, little, had some holes in it. Had long hair. Had these white, con you got to wear Converse. If you don't wear Converse, you're not cool. Isn't that true? you got to wear Converse. Even if you're Christian, listen to the Beatles once in a while. But you got to wear Converse. you got to wear Converse shoes. And so I was down there, and some of the words that were on my shoes were not nice words. I would even once in a while walk around campus, still drank some beer. And so church people would come up to me and said, you can't be saved. I said, why can't I be saved? Because you have long hair. What does that have to do with being saved? Because you have a couple words on your tennis shoes that, that aren't, too, aren't too cool. And you, uh, you have this beer. Well, I looked at them. I said, well, I used to drink 20 beers a day. I'm down to three. <laughs> I was only three months old in the Lord. Then guess what happened? After a couple more years, pretty soon I'm down from three to zero beers. 
still had long hair, still had holy jeans, still had those converse on. Pretty soon the Lord said, uh, Bill, I think it's about time you get rid of those converse or at least white out some of those words that are unholy. I did that. And you know what? I didn't like church people. Don't tell anybody, but sometimes I still don't. But I didn't like those church people. I didn't like those church people at all. They were something, you know what? They had never been just three months old in the Lord. They were self-righteous, whatever, going around telling me that I'm not saved, and you're not saved, and you're not saved, and you're not saved. How did they know that I wasn't saved? They didn't know I wasn't saved because guess what? I repented in my heart. I said, Jesus, come into my life. I knelt down at my bed with crying tears and say, oh, Lord, come into my life. I need you, and I want you, and, I, and Lord, I pray that you would change me, and he did a work in my heart, and guess what? It's finally coming to the outside. Come on, I'm still changing and some things are still coming to the outside. Let me see who's praising the Lord. All the religious people aren't, all the church people aren't, but all the born-again believers are. How many of you are glad God's changing you? Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, I praise him and glorify him. Turn to somebody and say, I'm saved whether you believe it or not. I'm saved whether you believe it or not. Turn to somebody else and say, are you one of those church people? Are you one of those church people? I hope not. Turn to that person and say, I hope not. I hope you're not one of those church people. You're afraid to say that to them, aren't you? Come on, tell them. I hope you're not one of those church people. I think we got a bunch of Jesus people tonight. Do we have some Jesus people tonight? I know what somebody's going to do. You're going to get on Facebook. Said Pastor Strayer said, you can drink all you want. You can sin all you want. Do all you want. It's okay. No, I'm talking about the Lord changing you on the inside first. Then as he changes you on the inside, the things on the outside start to change. And some people are delivered from alcohol just like that. But for me, it took a couple years. And church people would come saying, you can't be saved yet. And I would argue with them, I am saved. It's just taken me a while to get rid of my alcohol. And if you'll pray for me, and if you'll love me, and if you'll help me, and if you'll mentor me, and if you'll disciple me, then guess what? I might give up my alcohol. But if you keep pestering me, you're going to make me want to drink more. How many of you are glad God's cleaning you up, getting rid of the alcohol, getting rid of the drugs, getting rid of the language, getting rid of the garbage in your life? Come on, say amen. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad for the patience of Jesus? But I stand up here saying I still got a long way to go. But guess what? I've come a long way. If you followed me around for very long, I'd give you a couple weeks. You probably wouldn't come back to this church again. But if I followed all of you around for two weeks also, I probably wouldn't be pastoring this church again. <laughs> but how many of you are glad it's not about our actions, it's not about our faults? <laughs> Pastor Johan was right. It was the Lord through him. We're not stumps. How many of you know that God looks at the finished product? I think it's time that we don't look at us as stumps. We look at us as finished projects. Guess what I look at out there? I see people that are victorious. I see people that are... that. <laughs> I see people that have the devil underneath their feet. I see people that are overcomers. I see people that are redeemed. I see people that are forgiven. I see people that are children of God. I see people that are joint heirs with Christ. I see people that are heirs with God. I don't see any faults. I see people that are justified. I see people that are adopted. I see people that are close to Jesus. I don't see any stumps. You see any stumps? I see the finished product. Turn to somebody and say, you're looking good. You're looking good tonight. Turn to somebody behind you and say, I'm never going to complain about you again. Never going to complain about you again. Mm -mm. 
I might even sit next to you in church Sunday. I just might do that. How did I get all that out of turn to me? I don't know what happened. (laughs) I don't know what happens. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with half of your heart, three-quarters of your heart, all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning, nothing wrong with a few tears. Tear your heart. Don't tear your, tear your clothes. Back during the time of Joel, they were tearing their clothes as a sign of repentance, and Joel says, quit just tearing your garments and tearing your clothes. I want to see you tear your heart. I want to see God doing something inside of you. Return to the Lord your God. That means they were with the Lord, but they fell away from the Lord. Don't fall away from the Lord. Don't fall away from the Lord. But how many of you are glad if you do fall away from the Lord, you can return to the Lord? But how many of you know there's great consequences if you fall away from the Lord also? And that's what happened to Israel. So all of a sudden, Joel says, return to the Lord. You've been there once. You know what? Once you've been there, why do you want to turn away from him? Taste and see that the Lord is good and the Lord is awesome. And how many of you know you've got to go through all that miserable stuff before you return to the Lord? So you don't have to go through that. Just stay close to Jesus. Why should we do that, Pastor Strayer? Look what it says here. For the Lord is gracious. Have you found that out? The Lord is merciful. How many of you are glad he's slow to anger? Each and every one of us should be toast, shouldn't we? (laughs) But he's slow to anger. Look at that. He's kind. No, no, no. He's of great kindness. And he relents from doing harm. What does that mean? He doesn't want to judge anybody. He doesn't want to spank anybody. He doesn't want to whoop anybody. He just wants to love people. And who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. So all of a sudden in verse 14, look what Joel says. Joel says, if you will turn to the Lord Israel, no matter what you've done, how bad you have been, what your past has been like, I will leave a blessing behind. So if you're here tonight and you're not where you should be with the Lord, turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord with all of your heart. Repent of your sins and run into the arms of your heavenly Father. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad you've been. I don't care what sin you have committed. If you will turn away from your sins and turn to the Lord, he will bless you and he will bless you abundantly. A lot of people say, I'm just not worthy. I just can't believe God would forgive me. Pastor, even last week I was doing this and I was doing that and I was doing that. Yes, you did do that, but that is your past. Tonight, turn to the Lord and never go back to those things again and turn to the Lord and guess what he will do tonight? He will bless you. He is a God that wants to bless you and help you and love you and do great things for you and heal you and deliver you, but turn to the Lord. You aren't worthy, but he is the one who was worthy. And how many of you know you are worthy because you are in Jesus Christ? Anybody want a blessing? Come on, anybody want a blessing? Anybody want a blessing? You got to turn to the Lord. You got to turn away. From what? Turn away from your sins. And just see if he will leave a blessing. Verse 19, let's look at some blessings. There's a bunch in here. As you go through Joel chapter 2 in your own time, you could probably underline 20-some blessings. You can do your own Bible study. It could take you weeks to go through all the blessings. I've just given you a couple. I want to give you a couple more tonight. Verse 19, here's one of the blessings of the Lord if we turn to the Lord. Look what it says in verse 19. The Lord will answer your prayers and say to his people, Behold, I will send you a grain and new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied by them, and I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations. Number one blessing tonight is this. The Lord will answer all of your prayers. I don't know about you, but I want all of my prayers answered. 
I don't want 50% of my prayers answered. I want all of my prayers answered. When we are in sin, and when we are not turning toward the Lord, and we are walking in the flesh, do you understand that the Lord does not have to answer our prayers? I don't know about you, that's a motivation for me to want to follow the Lord. And want to go after the Lord with all of my heart, with all of my soul. I'm not a perfect person, but I want to go after him because I know if I turn away from the Lord and walk in the flesh, he does not have to answer my prayers. And that scares me. It does. It scares me. That's called the fear of the Lord. But I want my prayers answered. And so the Lord says, look, Bill, if you will turn away from your sins and if you will turn to me and if you will walk in my ways and follow the word, I will answer every one of your prayers as long as they are according to the will of God and the word of God. I got to ask you again, how many of you want every one of your prayers to be answered as long as it's in the will of God, then you have to turn to the Lord. We have to turn to the Lord. So as we turn to the Lord, as we turn to the Lord, he answers our prayers. And the reason the Lord doesn't answer our prayers is because most of our prayers when we are away from the Lord are just to get us out of the mess that we created. You say, well, why doesn't the Lord allow us to get out of the mess? We need to understand, we need to understand that he is not answering our prayers in order to get us back into line with his will and his purpose. If we could walk in sin and do what we want to do and be out there in the flesh and he would just keep answering prayers and keep answering our prayers, we'd have really a little bit of motivation to get back to the Lord. But when I read in the scripture and it says, I will not hear your prayers, Bill, I'm putting it on me. I will not hear your prayers, Bill, and I will not answer your prayers, Bill, if you are going your own way, doing your own thing, walking in disobedience, and you are away from me. So guess what I do? I turn away from my sins real quick. You say, Pastor, do you ever sin? Yes, but guess what? I'm quick to repent. Oh, I'm quick to repent. I'm not going to wait a day. I'm not going to wait two days. I'm not going to wait three days. None of us in here is perfect, but when we become imperfect, don't you wait three days. Don't you wait four days. Don't you wait five days. Don't you wait two minutes. Each and every one of us knows when we have sinned, and as soon as we have sinned, you just look to the Lord and say, Lord, I sinned right there, but guess what? You forgive me of all my sins. I repent. I turn away from that, and guess what? You'll continue to receive the blessings of the Lord. Be quick to repent. Everybody shout out. I'm going to be quick to repent. So guess what the Lord is, is waiting for us to do? The Lord is waiting on all of us to be obedient. Do you like that word, obedient? Two people, do you like that word, obedient? How do we be obedient? We be obedient by doing what? Turning to the Lord, turning to the Lord. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 50. Now keep your hand on page, 500, or page 1,129, Joel chapter 2. And turn with me to Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2. Let's look at a couple scriptures here. Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2 that just reinforce what we just talked about. Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2. Look what God's word says. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. He's talking to Israel here, but it also refers to us today. But your iniquities, your sins, have separated you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. You say, that's mean of the Lord. No, it's not mean of the Lord. How many of you understand the Lord is saying, no, you turn to me and you obey the word of God and you follow what I have for you. And if you do that, I will answer all of your prayers. But if you are walking in iniquity and your iniquities then have separated you from God, not in your relationship, but in your fellowship with the Lord and your sins have hidden his face from you, he will not hear you. Turn with me, if you would, please, to Psalm chapter 66. Psalm chapter 66 and verse 16 to 20. Psalm chapter 66 and verse 16 to 20. These are great verses. Psalm 66 and verse 16 to 20. Come and hear all you who fear God. 
and I will declare what he has done for my soul. I cried out to him with my mouth, talking about crying out prayer, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard, you notice David says if, if I regard sin or iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear, but certainly God has heard me, and he has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be the God who has not turned away from my prayer, nor his mercy from me. So David said this, if I regard iniquity in my heart, if I break fellowship with the Lord, he will not here, but thank the Lord, God has heard me. He has answered my prayer because I have not regarded iniquity in my heart. I have asked the Lord to forgive me. I've stayed true to him, and how many of you know if we turn to the Lord, every prayer you pray according to his will, he will hear, and he will answer. Can I give you another one? All right, Psalm chapter 84 and verse 11. One more, Psalm chapter 84 and verse 11. Always bring your Bibles to the house of the Lord. You say, Pastor, put the verses up on the screen. No, I don't do that intentionally because I want you to bring your Bibles. Whether it's on the phone, whether it's uh, on your computer, whether you have a hard copy, bring your Bibles, get a Bible. Here we see in Psalm chapter 84 and verse 11, reading out of New King James. For the Lord God is a sun and also is a shield. How many of you are glad that the Lord's a sun? But how many of you know if you stay too close to the Lord, you'll get sunburned? S-O-N-B-U-R-N, get that, son, son. Somebody said that was sad, okay. I think that was a staff person. Cancel their paycheck. That'll, that'll, that'll do it for them. For the Lord God is a son, and you might get sunburned. Oh, I like that. And he is a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. And look at this. No good thing will he withhold from anyone who walks uprightly i got to read that again. No good thing will he withhold from anybody who walks uprightly. What does uprightly mean? It means to be obedient. It means to be righteous. It means to be biblical. It means to be honest. Anything that we do that is uprightness according to the word of God, he will not withhold any good thing from us. So as we turn to the Lord and we walk an upright life, guess what? When you ask God to heal, he'll bring healing. When you ask God to deliver, he'll bring deliverance. When you ask God to baptize in the Holy Spirit, he'll baptize in the Holy Spirit. When you ask God to bless your business, he will bless your business. When you ask God to touch your children, he will touch your children. When you ask God to save souls, he will save souls. When you ask God that you need a job, he'll get you a job. When you ask God to touch your life, he will touch your life. When you ask God to change your marriage, he will change your marriage. If you're an upright person and following the Lord in integrity and turning to the Lord, no good thing will he withhold from you. Come on, everybody say that. No good thing will he withhold. No good thing will he withhold. Turn back with me to Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. So guess what? The Lord's going to answer all my prayers. You know what the first thing all of us need to do? We could do it tonight, but I'll just say tomorrow morning before we go to the mountain, spend time with Jesus, repent, turn to the Lord. Lord, I'm turning to the Lord. You show me anything. Anything in my life that's not pleasing to you, I repent. I turn away from it. Lord, I'm going to pray. I'm even up in the crying out prayer meetings. But if I regard iniquity in my heart, you're not going to hear me. But Lord, you said if I will follow you and do what you tell me to do, if I live an upright life, that no good thing will be withheld from me. Can I say it again? Because I'm getting excited. That means when you pray for healing, God's going to bring healing to you. That means when you pray for deliverance, God's going to bring deliverance to you. That means, God, when you pray for a job. God's going to bring a job to you. <laughs> Aren't you glad? 
Aren't you glad? Number two, the second blessing, the second blessing from the Lord is that the Lord will take care of all of our enemies. Have you ever had an enemy before? How many of you are glad that you don't have to battle them? How many of you are glad that the Lord will fight all of your battles? And he will take care of your enemies, even if it's a neighborhood association. Oh. <laughs> Do you like that, Brother Dave? You must have some battles with some neighborhood associations. Boy, they can be an enemy. How many of you know you can lose your religion and your faith over neighborhood associations? That's for sure. I had one blade of grass that was too long. I got a letter. Yeah, one blade of grass that's too long. Get out there and cut it or we're going to find you. Oh, my goodness, my goodness. But how many of you are glad for verse 20 of chapter 2 in Joel? But I will, I'm glad the Lord will do it. I will remove far from you, Israel, the northern army. And I will drive the northern army away into a barren and desolate land with his face toward the eastern sea and his back toward the western sea. His stench will come up and his foul odor will rise because he has done monstrous things. So fear not, O land, and be glad and rejoice for the Lord has done marvelous things. The second blessing is this. The Lord will take care of our enemies. The enemies of Israel did monstrous things to them. And the enemies of Israel were happy about it. What did they do to Israel? They enslaved the Jewish people. They tortured the Jewish people. They killed the Jewish people. They tore down their businesses. They destroyed the temple. They destroyed their homes. They starved them to death. They took them to other lands. They killed their children. Listen to the word of the Lord. Even today, many of Israel's enemies want to eliminate Israel off the map and destroy the Jewish people, and they would be very glad if it happened. We are living in the midst of it. But no matter what people say or what people think or what people write, God will never allow this to happen to Israel. Israel are God's chosen people, and they will never, ever be eliminated from planet Earth, period. Two things Joel points out. Look at chapter 2 with me, please, and verse 18. But I will, then the Lord will be zealous for his land, in verse 18, and he will pity his people. So there's a couple things to point out. Number one, the Lord is going to have pity for Israel. The word pity in the Hebrew means to be totally compassionate. How many of you know God loves the Jewish people? It doesn't mean he doesn't love us, but he loves the Jewish people. And he is very zealous for the Jewish people. I love the word zealous here because it means to be red hot and passionate in possessing someone. What does that mean? It means the Lord will do everything he can to protect and defend and move on behalf of his people. And when we turn to Jesus, he crushes all of our enemies. Pastor Strayer, are you telling me that little area of Israel, it's the size of New Jersey? It has eight to nine million people in it. Are you telling me if Russia gets together and China comes and Arab nations and all these nations with all of its military, all of its nuclear weapons, all of its ships, uh, they come against Israel, that Israel's going to win? Yep. Yep. Read your Bible. You know what? I would never want to be an enemy of Israel. I would never want to be an enemy of a church. A lot of amens for Israel, but for the church to be an enemy, everybody didn't say amen. I would never want to be the enemy of a pastor. 
You know why? You're fighting God. Woo! And guess who's going to win every fight? Pastor, have you had enemies being here 27 years? Oh, sure, I've had enemies. That's just the way it goes. But guess what? What do you do about it? I don't, I'm not worried at all because I just say, Lord, you're just going to handle it. You're going to handle it. You say, well, how does the Lord deal with pastors? Well, the Bible says in the book of Revelation that God's hand is out and that all pastors are in the hand of the Lord. So how many of you understand that this hand of the Lord can be gentle with the pastors and comfort them, or this hand of the Lord can crush them. Do not be the enemy of another born-again believer. Do not be the enemy of a church leader. Do not be the enemy of the Christianity. Do not be an enemy of Israel because you are fighting against the Lord your God. And when you fight against the Lord your God, you are going to lose every battle, and He is going to win every battle. Have you ever felt like hitting somebody, Pastor? Many times. And I'm sure people have felt like hitting me also. But how many of you are glad you can just stand back and stand still and watch the hand of the Lord move? Not that you want anything to happen, but you can watch the hand of the Lord move. I feel sorry for the nation of Iran. I feel sorry for the nations that are coming against Israel. I don't say this with glee. They're going to be wiped off the map when Jesus comes back. They think they're going to win because Israel, 8 million people, a real small state the size of New Jersey. But let me tell you, if God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. Don't mess with the church. Come on, everybody give the Lord praise. Don't mess with Israel. Don't mess with Christians. If you notice here in Joel chapter 2 and verse 20, and I'll end so you can get home. I know school's in session. But I will. I love it that he is the God of the I wills. Do you notice here he says he will drive our enemies into the barren and desolate land with his face toward the eastern sea and also his back toward the western sea. The western sea is the Mediterranean Sea. The eastern sea is the Dead Sea. I've been there so I can see it right now. He was referring to two things. Number one, he was referring to the locusts that first came against uh, Israel in the book of Joel chapter 1. That was a long time ago. We talked about that in January or February. And the, uh, the locusts that came against Israel, there were so many when the Lord drove them away. How many of you know it's the Lord that fights our battles? When the Lord drove them away, there were so many locusts that they fell into the sea, and when they came up on dry land, the stench of all those locusts. And by the way, I think Las Vegas got attacked by a horde of locusts also. Mm -hmm. But it's also talking about the end times, that the Lord will remove human armies and their dead bodies are going to be in the Dead Sea and in the Mediterranean Sea, and they are going to wash up on dry land and on the shoreline, and there's going to be a huge, huge stench. You see, we forget something about the Lord and we forget something about Christianity. It is a supernatural faith. The Lord does not need human armies to fight his battles. In fact, my Bible says that he took one angel and one angel killed 185,000 Assyrians. 
the Assyrian army had circled around Israel, and God sent an angel down and said, take care of them. And an angel took a jawbone of a donkey and killed 185,000 Assyrians that came against Israel. I got some great news for you tonight. You don't have to fight your enemies. You're going to have them. I'm going to have them. The church is going to have them. The body of Christ is going to have them. Israel is going to have them. But how many of you are glad that God has your back? How many of you are glad that God is on your side? How many of you are glad that God's going to take care of it? How many of you are glad that you can give it to the Lord? Come on, how many of you are glad that God's going to take care of every one of your enemies that is against you in the name of Jesus?